Hi everyone, welcome to Into the Archives. While our main sermon podcast, uh, Words from the Wildwood, can be found on Sunday mornings, this is more of a retrospective, a looking back at where I have been, where I preached, what I've had the opportunity to do, and the observations I've made along the way. I hope that you can look back with me at many of these sermons that have come. Some may sound a little dated, but you might be impressed to hear things that were going on then that are still going on today. I hope you enjoy this offering from the archives. All right, tonight, let's take a little walk, y'all. Sometimes in life, we get set down. Like Dan said, you get in the bed and it hurts, so you don't get out of bed. When you don't get out of bed, what happens to your life? Stops. Like he said, you have the pain, but you're not going to let the pain control you, amen? That's how life can be sometimes. And sometimes as a Christian, you hit places of indecision. You hit stale places where you just don't know how to go forward. You don't know how to get around a problem. You don't know how to get past a difficulty. To walk by the Spirit, we must know where the Spirit's walking. Amen? Now, we're about to finish up Galatians. We're about to finish it up here in a couple weeks. We're going to move on and talk about spiritual warfare. I told y'all that was coming. Now, the thing about spiritual warfare is this. The devil lets sleeping dogs lie. You know what that means? If you are not walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, let's say that you are a born-again Christian, you've given your life to the Lord, but somehow pain has come into your life, you're sitting on your keister, you're not doing anything for the Lord, you're not talking about the Lord, you're not sharing Christ with your friends, your family, or anybody else, you're just kind of on the shelf. Let's say that's where you are. The devil's not going to mess with that kind of person. You know why? Because you are completely ineffectual in anything to do with the kingdom of God. However, if you are a believer and you are walking with the Lord, you are pressing in on the Word, you are sharing Christ with others, you're going to have a hard time, brother. You know why? Because you are a thorn in the devil's side and he needs to get that thorn to sit down and get out of the way. So before we even get to spiritual warfare in a couple weeks, I want to talk about what it means to walk with the Spirit. And to do that, you have to know where the Spirit is. Let's take a look at it tonight. Galatians 5. 16 through 18. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. It's a very short lesson. It's going to go by before you even see it. So stay up with me tonight because this is good stuff. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. One thing you have to know in this walk of faith, the spirit walks against nature. Now for all you tree huggers and bunny lovers out there, my apologies, not really. But nature is not everything. In fact, nature is evil. Ask my wife. Growing up in the Philippines, grass, trees, pollen, dirt. It's of the devil. Concrete, steel, nice paved ways, malls. Those are beautiful places. There's no dirt. There's no disgust in those places. You know what I mean? The spirit walks against nature. Am I really talking about trees? No, of course not. Talking about Galatians 5, 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. We've covered the law quite a bit, both in Romans on Sunday morning, Galatians here on Wednesday nights. So tonight I will look at this one first, right here. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Okay, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? You hear this sermon all over the place. If we just walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. But they never tell you what that means. Let me tell you what it means. First, look at the very end of that verse. When you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The word desire is an interesting word. It's the word cravings. Now, what do you associate cravings with apart from pregnancy? Addictions are often described as cravings, those uncontrollable desires that invade the mind, invade the life, that tend to turn us away from what we want to do, want to be, toward that thing which is enslaving us. Any alcoholic, any drug addict will tell you that the cravings get worse. The more you deny them, the bigger and the stronger they get. That's why it's impossible for an unregenerate man, an unregenerate woman, someone who does not know Christ as Savior, you can't be a good person. Person. Because literally the cravings will overwhelm you. For all you fans of the vampire genre, yeah, there's this thing called the thirst. I've been sort of boning up on all this stuff because our culture today is obsessed with vampires. Whether it be Twilight, New Moon, Blade, uh, Vampire Chronicles, all that yuck yuck stuff. Okay? Supposedly the vampires can't control themselves. Their desire to drink blood is so powerful that sooner or later it overwhelms them. Same is true of the secular man, the secular woman. Without Christ, you have no power to say no to the devil. If you go to Romans 8, 7, in fact, all of Romans 8, all of Romans 9, you will read that the man without Christ is powerless to say no to the devil and to say yes to Christ. Without Jesus and without the Spirit, you can't say yes to God. You don't have the ability because the cravings of the old man will overwhelm you, will take you over, will put you under subjection. But he says if you walk by the Spirit, you won't fulfill those cravings. It's the answer to the cravings. Now to understand that, look at James 1, 12 through 15. It says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. It's those who love God. And by love, we mean we are in a loving relationships. We know him intimately. We know his heart because his spirit abides within us. James 1, 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. God doesn't tempt anybody. Just remember that. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person, this is critical, y'all. This is the beginning of spiritual warfare right here. But each person is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by his own desires, cravings, longings. And he's talking about the longings of the old man, the longings of the flesh, the longings to satisfy what, this, what the carnal sinful man wants. When we give in to those, when we pay attention to them, then we give them strength and they will draw us aside. James 1.15 Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now that's the most important thing. The Spirit of God will always walk against the natural man. The Spirit of God will never lead us to fulfill fleshly desires. You see some churches that say, if you're a born-again believer, you don't have to worry about quote-unquote sin because God's already washed that out of your life. So whatever desire you have must be okay. That's how guys like Joseph Smith convince men, oh, it's okay for you to have two, three, four wives, because if you didn't, if you weren't supposed to have them, God wouldn't have given you that desire. Now, talk to anybody who suffers with any kind of emotional disorder, and they'll tell you about cravings, and they'll tell you about desires that to them seem perfectly rational. Look at the guys of NAMBLA, the National Association of Man-Boy Love. 
They believe that eight is too late to start experiencing sex. They are grown men in their 20s, 30s, 40s who want to have intercourse with six and seven-year-old boys. And they say what? It's natural. It's normal because it's what we feel. You can't deny my feelings. Well, apparently the Word of God says we can deny your feelings because your feelings are wrong. Your feelings are of the devil. They are of the old man, the unregenerate being. So when the Spirit calls on you to walk, you can always bank on one thing. Anything that's out there of the world, anything that wants you to indulge, whether it be pornography, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be gambling, anything that is destructive of the person and the family, anything spoken against in the Word of God, those are the things the Spirit is going to attack in your life. And you're going to feel that internal conflict. That's where spiritual warfare begins. It begins right here in James. But each person is tempted or he's pulled away when he is lured and enticed by those old desires. Every man and woman here who has accepted Christ, you know what your desires are. Your desires are for yourself. What makes you feel good? What lifts you up? What makes you look important? There's always that desire to draw attention to us, but whenever that happens, who do we take the attention away from? Jesus Christ. The musician is susceptible. Yes, a musician can get up there and play Christian songs. But if he is focused on his musicianship and how good he looks and how emotionally appealing he is, then what does he want you to do? Does he want you to see Jesus high and lifted up? No. He wants you to see how good he is, how well he sings, how, how practiced he is. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a good musician so long as you keep your ego in check. Same thing for anything else. If you're a great teacher, if you're like Dan back there and you teach a Sunday school class for a long time and every day you hear, Dan, you're a great teacher. Oh, Dan, I learned so much from you. Dan, you're wonderful. Dan, why aren't you the pastor? You'd be a great pastor. Dan is this great guy that wants to serve the Lord, but here's the thing. What's the devil gonna do? He's gonna drop that hook. George was teaching me about hooks. He's gonna drop that hook right in front of you. And that hook says, you're important, brother. Snap on that hook. And see, if you start believing that you're the answer to God's problems, then you've got a bigger problem. Because the devil's trying to get you off course to focus on yourself, lifting yourself up, and not lifting him up. The Spirit will always walk against the natural man. So you want to know how to walk with the Lord? Simple. When the Spirit is leading you, you will be led away from yourself, away from those things that lift you up, and toward those things which lift up Christ. But let's keep going. So the Spirit walks against nature, but also look in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 19 through 23. The Spirit walks a narrow path. If you're going to talk about walking with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit's going to walk against nature, against those things that the world's going to approve of. The world would say, you need to build on your strengths. No, we don't. We need to build on our weaknesses because when we're weak, God is stronger. But also, we need to look for that narrow path. Galatians 5, 19 through 23 says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here comes the list, y'all. Here comes that list of those things the Spirit is going to fight against. Sexual immorality. Can you say America? Impurity. Can you say America? Sensuality. Can you say Hollywood? Man, idolatry. Can you say the American church? Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That laundry list describes almost every television show that you've seen today in America. Look at every TV show. When was the last time on a TV show you saw a mom and dad who were still married, who did not drink alcohol, 
who did not carry on in front of everybody else with, with, their, with their little sexual escapades. When was the last time you actually saw a happily married man who didn't trash talk his wife, who wasn't checking out every girl in the office, kids who were not disobedient, kids who were not drunks, kids who were not drug addicts, kids who were not sleeping with everybody else in town? Show me one moral, decent representation of the American family on TV today. I dare you, find me one. The Waltons went off the air. Okay, that was a hundred years ago. Now there's some sitcoms today, but I admit I like sitcoms, and they're fun to watch. But if you watch them with the eyes of faith, you will see the subtle problems that come up all along through there, saying, you know what, look at this quirk and that quirk, it isn't that strange, it isn't that odd. And we think it's so funny we don't pay attention to it, but it actually reinforces a negative way of life, a negative lifestyle that we accept. We accept these movies and TV shows. We accept talk shows because they build these people up. If there was a celebrity magazine today in America, find me any celebrity magazine, all of these words would describe exactly what kind of article you're going to see. You're not going to see an article about an actress who's faithfully married to her husband, who goes to church, who gives to charities, who doesn't go to parties, who doesn't run around half naked all the time. You're not going to see that in a magazine. I mean, I go to the grocery store, and I look at them when they're sitting over there, and I go, get thee behind me, Satan, you know. <laughs> of course, occasionally, I get to find out what Brad Pitt's doing. I'm like, whoa, put that back. It's terrible. You know, it happens. It happens. Okay, so 521. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Galatians 522. But the fruit of the Spirit is, notice, fruit is singular. This is not a list of things. This is one thing altogether. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You don't get one of those things with the Holy Spirit. They are either all present or they are all absent. It is a singular manifestation. Against such things there is no law. This is the narrow path. Jesus said, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to salvation. But wide is the path, broad the gate, that leads to destruction. He said, few find the narrow path. Everybody finds the broad path. Because the broad path is so much easier, so much more exciting, so much more exhilarating. I mean, can you imagine if they interviewed somebody who lived this kind of life? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, uh, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self What would you write about them? You'd write they're the most boring person on earth. They don't do anything. They don't go anywhere. They don't have any troubles or conflicts or strife. What would you say about such a person? God would say that they are very greatly blessed by the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what it would say. Let's take a look at it. So, verse 21, it says this, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Interesting. Consider James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, you can go to churches all around America and you will find people who defend sexual immorality because you've got churches which ordain homosexual pastors, homosexual priests, you will find churches that uh, advocate impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, because they lift up certain people, they lift up certain authors. I've actually seen churches that have as part of their teaching that when a person reaches an age of consent, whatever that age of consent is, it's not discussed in the Bible, that consenting Christian adults can engage in committed sexual relationships without the benefit of marriage. You want a way to grow a church? 
Teach people they can sleep together before marriage and God approves and the, the world will beat its way into your church. Of course, God will blast you into hell for being a liar, but the world wants to hear that. The world wants to hear us say it's okay. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, dissension, division, that describes a lot of places where Christians find themselves because we allow the devil to come in and subdivide us, cut us up, separate us so that we're easier to pick off one at a time. What is it the non-Christians always say about churches? They're filled with hypocrites and liars and phonies because we talk about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and we show none of it. We show none of the fruits of the Spirit. We show all these things up here that the, that the Word talks against. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? It means when you see any of the laundry list of things that are wrong in a church, you need to stay clear of the people who do it and the groups that, in, that, in, that are involved in it. When you get into a situation where somebody is compromising the Word, you need to say, you know what? That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says just the opposite. When the church starts to go in negative direction, you say, now hold on a second. Doesn't the Word of God say? And they say, well, yeah, but that's not very loving. Well, hang on. Since he's the author of love, I think it's loving whatever God says to do. Amen? I mean, that's what we face. Here's a church today. We face those situations. How do we effectively bring the people of God back in line? How do we do that? It says that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God because they are hearers of the word of God and they are not doers. Can you be in church and be involved and be active and be unsaved? Yes, it happens all the time. But can you be in church, be a born-again believer, be fully on fire for Jesus Christ, and not be engaged and involved in the life of the church? No, that's not possible. Because the Spirit will compel you to become involved in what's going on. What does it mean to walk with the Spirit? It means to walk contrary to the negative, anti-Christian things that are going on. It means to walk with those who are supporting the fruits of the Spirit. That's what it has to mean. It's a lifestyle. It's not a set of characteristics. It's how we live our lives. It's who we are. I mean, go on to verse 23. Against such people who have uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. What does that mean? What do you mean there's no law? The law never speaks about such people. Why? Because that's the people that God has already changed and accepted and brought into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Why would God condemn the positive things? See, He's been talking about the law, the law, the law, all this way. All of these Judaizers wanting the Gentiles to get circumcised so they conform to the law. But the best way to conform to God's perfect law is to allow the Holy Spirit to change us into the image of Christ. You see what I mean? We all ask that question, what does it really mean to walk by the Spirit? Look at your life. Look at your life. Do you have genuine Christian agape love in your life? Selfless, self-sacrificing, not self-serving. Do you have that kind of love for the people around you in your church? Do you have the joy of the Lord, which allows you to have cancer and still say, blessed be your name? Do you have the peace of knowing that if God allows you to die, he is going to receive you on your deathbed into his kingdom, giving you your everlasting crown of eternity? Do you have the kind of self-control that lets you hear heretics in church and not beat them upside the head? That's one of the few gifts of the spirit I do have. I ain't beating anybody up yet. Do you have the gentleness that allows you to go to somebody who says, I have done something terrible. And you say, okay, well, tell me what you've done. 
Do you have the gentleness that goes, you know what? You're right. What you did was terrible. It's horrible. But let's get you right with the Lord, and then we'll deal with the other consequences that come along with that. You see, gentleness is how you restore the fallen brother. In your life, is there the positive things that show the activity of the Holy Spirit? That's how you walk, and then follow those out. If we have love, we have to sacrifice. If we have joy, we need to talk about it. People need to see that God is alive in us. And here's the thing. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to fake it. If you say, but I don't have any of that stuff, then I said, then you ain't saved. If you don't have the fruits of the Spirit, you're dead. Period. There is no Christ in you if these things are not part of your life. Otherwise, what does it mean to be the fruit of the Spirit? How can you be mean, nasty, grumpy, hate-filled, griping, complaining, 24-7, 365? How can you do that if the Holy Spirit's inside you? It's not possible. It's impossible. Have I overstated the case? I don't think so. Because here's my thing. Paul says, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. It's not enough for you to say, I know Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Satan knows Jesus Christ is the Son of God better than you. and He's still going to hell. He said, okay, I, I, know, I know there's a God in heaven. The demons know that. He's the one to kick them out. What does it mean to be a believer, to walk by the Spirit? To have been broken and shattered at the foot of the cross. To have bled out all of that sin and corruption that was born into you by the very fact that you were born a human being. To allow Christ to clean that out, replace your dead heart with his living heart. And then begin to manifest in you the life that was in him. That's what it is to be a Christian. To walk by the Spirit is to be a believer. If we don't have Christ in us, how can anybody find Him? Because they're going to see Him in you. And they're going to see Him in you. And they're going to see Him in you. And if they don't see Him in us, how are they going to find Him? In a book? The Word of God is perfect. Converting the soul. People want to see it. They want to see what it means to say that you have accepted Christ as Savior. They want to see that change in your life. They want to see who you are. If you find a man who never talks about his wife, you got a cheating husband, I guarantee it. <laughs> you find a woman, hides a wedding ring, you got a cheating wife, guarantee it. Find a person who never talks about their father in heaven, you got an unsaved person. You might think I'm being hard. I dare you to prove me wrong. If you don't see these things in your life. Now, are you going to have them every single day? People can suck the life out of you. I guarantee. Some days are bad. Some days are good. But when you look at your life, do you praise God from the side of your bed? When you look out, and today we're coming to church. It's weird. I could see literally the storm in front of us. This side of the sky was dark. This side of the sky was light. This side of the sky had a gorgeous rainbow. You notice rainbows are only visible in the storm? You don't notice that? This side was clear and blue, no rainbow. But just, just crossing between the two was the faintest edge of the rainbow disappearing into the clear sky. When that happens, what does your soul say? What does your spirit say? What is birthed in you? Have you ever asked the question, am I saved? Am I a believer? Have I truly come to Christ or have I only come to church? That's the critical question. I mean, I've talked to people who've come out of the Mormon church. We say, oh, can a Mormon be a Christian? Yes. Are they most likely Christians? No. Because the Jesus they're shown is not the true Jesus of the Word of God. There are so many denominations and religions that present Jesus as this wonderful person who died to make them happy. That's not who he is. He is the eternal God of heaven. He is the judge of eternity. And he will sit as your judge 
if you do not know him as, as Lord and Savior. That's what it means. Against such there's no law. Those who have the Holy Spirit in them, those who are manifesting the gifts of the Spirit because Christ is evident. There's no law that, that binds me because I am free in Christ. You know what I mean? That's the truth of it. Let's finish this thing up tonight. Galatians 5, 24-26. The Spirit walks with Christ. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Man, what a fantastic way to, to finish up a discussion about walking with Christ. Look at this. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Interesting, word passions again, okay? The word desires again, but it's a different word. Interestingly here it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its, the next two words mean one of two things. They mean either affection, in a positive sense, the affections, or in a negative sense, with its afflictions. They have crucified the flesh with its afflictions. Those who are still without Christ, those who do not have the Spirit of God in them, are afflicted with the disease of this world. And that disease is me, myself, I, all about me. That's the disease that infects this world. Alcoholism grows out of meism. Drug abuse grows out of meism. If I am the sum total of everything, it all flows out of me. It all flows out of that old man. It flows out of who we were without Christ. That's why the psalmist says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you haven't been saved, can God restore anything to you? No, because you never had it to begin with. You might have had a religious ecstasy. You might have had a religious excitement. But if you were not born again, there is no deep founded joy of the Lord to be restored to you until you're saved the very first time. That's what it's talking about. Those who have come to Christ, those who have recognized their need for a Savior, have crucified the old man. Say, I don't need that anymore. I don't need to serve me. I served me long enough. I need to serve Christ. And we put the affliction behind us. See, when Satan calls you back, when he lures you back with that fish hook, George, he's trying to pull you back to the affliction that held you back before you came to Christ. Look at the next one. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Here's your answer to the whole thing. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? It says right here, if we live. This word live means to be among the living, to be active with life. Now here's the thing. You can go to church and you can be an active church member and be a dead in Christ individual with, with no life in Christ at all. If you are going to live in the spirit, it means you must be active with the things of life. And what's the motivation of life? I get up in the morning and I, I go to work and I, I go out to lunch and I go visit this person, that person, I go home. So I am living, I am, I am active and moving and doing things. But the motivation is always Christ. Christ is the motivation. The spirit is the motivation. How many of you have felt it when the spirit says, you need to call that friend and find out what's going on. You call them and sure enough, they've got cancer, they lost a child to a car accident, uh, they just lost their job, their house burned down. The spirit moves in you to prompt you to do those things that he would have you to do. That's living in the spirit. When you read the scriptures and you have nothing, when you go to church and you feel nothing, when you pray and you know nothing, and you have none of these promptings, you have to ask the question, why is it that the spirit is not with me? Why is it I feel nothing at all from these things of God? One answer could be you are not saved. 
You have been in church your whole life and you've never been born again. You've been converted to the Christian idea, but not to the Christ of scriptures. And that's a harsh thing to say, but I'm a harsh individual, amen? It's the truth. I, I know it. Here it is, look at the last one. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking, the word means moving to anger, moving to conflict, provoking one another and envying one another. Wow. The word conceited means become overwhelmed with empty desires. What do you desire from your life, church? What do you want from your life? What do, where, do, where do you want to be when you get to the end? My dad's at the end of his life. He's got a couple weeks left. So whatever he doesn't have right now, he ain't going to have. So my dad has come to the end. All he can do right now is sit and look back over his life and see if he has wasted it or used it wisely. Here's the thing. I'm a 47-year-old man. I got more years behind me than I got in front of me. So my question to myself today is this. If I am walking by the Holy Spirit, if I am being moved by the Spirit, if I am being used to manifest the life in Christ, what do I want my life to look like on the day that I die? Most of us live for tomorrow. Next week, the next thing we're going to purchase, the next trip we're going to take. We live for the next promotion, for the next paycheck. We live for something tangible that that's how we just program our life. But what do you want your life to look like on the day that you kick it? What's your bucket list look like? Great movie if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I hear it's a great movie. I like the idea. You know you're going to die. So you make a list of everything you want to accomplish before you die. Now take that list, believer in Jesus Christ. Cross off everything that has to do with you and do everything that has to do with Christ. That's how you walk by the Spirit. You say, you know what? Is it more important for me to go get involved in a, in, in a downtown drug rehab mission where I'm working with people who are trying to find their way to Christ, find their way through alcohol, find their way through drug use? Is that more important? Or is it more important that I move to a condo in Palm Springs and, and live out there watching the girlies in the bikinis? It's your choice. It's your life. But you know what? Go do that. Go chase the bikinis in Palm Beach. And when you're dying on your deathbed, look back over your life. Tell me you're going to be pleased with what you see. And you won't be able to be. Because you can't waste your life. Don't be conceited. Don't chase empty desires. Instead, he says, do this. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13, and I am done. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. First part is so critical. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Examine yourself to see if you are in Christ. It's not enough that you go to church. It's not enough that you were baptized. It's not enough that a pastor laid his grubby hands on you and prayed over you. You better be in Christ before you get to the end of your life. Then, if you are a believer, if you are manifesting the fruits of the Holy Spirit, if He is alive in you, exhort, build up, cheer on one another every day, as long as we have today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, many Christians, real Christians, Bible-believing Christians, have become hardened by sin. And now they sit in churches looking like, you know, those Catholic gargoyle things on top of churches. They're stone, they're rock, they're ugly, they're nasty, and they just sit there year after year looking weathered. You got a choice. Passionate, alive for Jesus, dead gargoyle, sitting in a church. All right, let's pray. Hey, everybody. 
Thanks for tuning in today to listening to our programs. We appreciate your attention. We present this for you as a way of building up God's people, giving you hope in these dark days. They are presented to you commercial free. We don't solicit money from any companies, Bible organizations, or churches. We put it out there because we believe wholeheartedly that the Word of God is the only hope this country or any country could have. Because we present it to you commercial free, we do ask you to search your heart. If you feel the need to support us in any way, it, it, could, be a, it could be a love offering, a gift, send me enough for a cup of coffee. I'd really appreciate it. You can send all support to Richard Stidham, S-T-I-D-H-A-M, Richard Stidham at Box 1321. Baytown, Texas, 77521, and everything you send to us will be used to keep this podcast on the air. Have a great day. God bless, and remember, keep looking up. Our salvation is drawing near.